the cost of ambition is you really got to go at some of these things by yourself. And you got to get comfortable with the fact that you're alone, even though someone may be literally next to you Mm -hmm. or figuratively Mm -hmm. in your corner, it's on you to tackle the things that need to get done to make that progress. You're listening to the Christoph Lewis Podcast, a podcast where I have conversations with inspirational people. My name is Chris, but my family calls me Christoph. My goal is to have as many conversations as possible with people who have forged their own path by pursuing their dreams, making them a reality, all the while emitting positivity and sharing this knowledge with others. I seek these people out and share this information with you, proving to the world that you can do what makes you happy and do what you want for a living while being a good human being. We'll talk about careers, but we'll also cover any story that inspires. Let's do this while helping each other. Thanks for listening. I'm happy you're here. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Christoph Lewis Podcast, Create Your Career. This is conversation number 163, episode number 282. Thanks so much for being here. As always, I always appreciate it. It is just one of the coolest things to be able to continue doing this. I never take it for granted. And each time I say it, I still mean it, if not more than the last time I said it. I really do appreciate you being here. My guest today is incredible. He's a former Green Beret. He's served in Afghanistan, and unfortunately, he lost his leg. And uh, he's still serving uh, in a combat role and still deploying and going on missions. And it's absolutely incredible. Just just Google this guy and you'll be able to see how insane this guy is and how much he gets after it. My guest is none other than Nick Lavery. And he is an absolute beast, a humble guy. And he just has so much insight for us today. Just, I really wanted to dig into the mindset between how it is it to experience such a thing be able to shift your mindset uh, because there were multiple mindset shifts throughout his recovery so i'm interested in that interested about him being a father and interested about if you know he has any work-life balance between being an active duty green beret coming home and being a father as well so there's a plethora of incredible things that we talked about then you can find this episode in all other episodes on christophlewis.com forward slash podcast on any of your favorite podcast apps head over to youtube and subscribe the conversations the ones with the guests those are the only ones that are on youtube and all the other ones both conversations and contemplations are on audio so Head over there, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on your podcast application. That'd be very helpful. And as well as heading over to Apple Podcasts and iTunes and rating five stars and telling me what you like. And you know what, uh, man, I'll say it one more time. Thank you so much for being here. It's always, it's always so humbling that you listen and share the podcast. And I just hope you can find a little bit of value in this. One of the things that I'm always caught saying is that I don't expect you to agree with everything I say, everything my guest says, but what I do hope for is that you come away with at least one thing, one new thing of value that you can apply to your life. So just remember that as you listen to these things. I fully don't expect you to agree with everything I say. That would be just, that would be weird. <laughs> so without further ado, welcome to the Christoph Lewis Podcast, Create Your Career. Hey, Chris, appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, always a pleasure to be able to do this, to talk to somebody else in this manner. I've really been looking forward to this and uh, wow, just just always excited. So before we get into the rest of the episode, I'd love for you to do a quick introduction maybe of yourself, anything that you'd like to share, and then we can get moving with the rest of the episode. Yeah, sure, man. Um, start with what's most important. Uh, married, father of one, three-year-old boy uh, who's an absolute savage. Uh, <laughs> and you know, the two of them are just the, the highlight of my life. Uh, aside from that, I'm a warrant officer um, in the United States Army Special Forces. 
more commonly referred, referred to as the Green Berets. And I've been doing that now almost 13 years. Uh, I am a native of Boston, Mass, in case, you know, you couldn't figure that out already. <laughs> so, of course, with that, I'm a diehard Sox and Pats fan. Still a Tom Brady fan, you know, business <laughs> yeah. is business. So I'll be rooting for the Bucks as long as they're not playing the Pats. There you go. And uh, other than that, man, you know, life is good. No complaints on my end. That was a good deal. I love how you started with your family. I got a, she's almost 15 months old right now, but it's our only one. And it's the most incredible thing. Like through all the things I did being in the Navy for nine years and getting to serve along some of the special ops guys, like it's been incredible being able to do that. And I would just, you know, I'm going to tangent right off the bat and I'm going to be, I just want to say like, I'm all about like lessons learned through our military careers and our civilian careers, but let's just talk about family for a second. Like you, you started off with that and I think that's a great place to go. So like, what's one of the things that you've just learned from being a dad and how's that just changed your life? Oh my gosh. Uh, you want to talk about how we look at priorities and, you know, for the first 34 years of my life, priorities would change work, my training, my hobbies, my spouse. Um, And then in that moment, when that little miniaturized human being is in your (laughs) arms for the first time, and you're just looking at him in the face, it's like everything that was once important, all of a sudden just took a distant backseat. And that this little living creature became number one, and everything else was a distant second. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that that helps just to to kind of keep yourself in check. Yeah. And when at work aren't going great, or you know your training's having a, you have an issue there, you tweak something, you know you're able to keep it in perspective. I come home every day, and you know that 40 minute drive I have is kind of my only time off mm. because once I walk in the front door, it's I got to clock back in because now it's <laughs> now it's dad time which is great. You know, it's the highlight of my day, but it's work. Right. And then everything else just kind of falls to the wayside. It doesn't really matter. It's like, yeah, yeah, I had a rough day, this and that, whatever, but you're looking at this little dude, you know, and you just, it it puts things in perspective, I think a little bit. So I'm grateful for that. And I leverage him and my wife uh, to just keep me focused on what really does matter. Yeah. And I think that just helps me stay focused and grounded yeah. and just kind of continue to progress, man. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Like aligning your priorities, understanding the perspective, keeping you grounded. And I think it's just a lot of times I just get, I do, we do get carried away in a lot of the world. And it's hard when you're going to work every day. And I know like you get done, you come home, like you said, and you get able to spend time with them and it's completely different. So I'm just wondering one of the things that I struggled with personally when we had our child is just kind of like a work-life balance kind of thing. And I don't really know if balance exists. I, the more I live the life between that, I've realized it's not really a balance. Like you said, you, you work, you have 40 minutes by yourself when you drive home, you come home and you check into the other job. I mean, so have you, have you had any issues with, you know, quote unquote, balancing your family and your work and how have you been able to like achieve that? Yeah, man, balance is it's just it's such a powerful word. And uh you know, it's 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 one that I don't think is ever totally level because really yeah. you can only focus on one thing at one time and do that thing yeah. well. Um and there's a lot of studies behind multitasking and whatnot, and, and really what that breaks down to is you're doing multiple things 
somewhat poorly or at least not at your best potential. So you really can only truly excel at one thing at one time. So your priorities have to constantly be shifting throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month. And, you know, just in broad terms, my family is the most important thing to me in the world. That said, there are times at work, particularly when I'm downrange doing my thing, that I need to be completely dedicated and focused on that at that time. So mm-hmm. things kind of shift. Um, but as long as you're you're still you're still prioritizing those other aspects of your life, they may not be number one at that given moment, but you're still investing in those other aspects just to keep the balance, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where you can where you can maintain mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and, and things are able to progress. Fortunately yeah. for me, my wife is also active duty army. Uh, she's been at this longer than me, so nice. you know that comes with some pros and some cons. More pros that really the cons is just the time we have to spend together because we both train and deploy and do things like that. But she understands the business. She understands the language. Mm. She understands that when when I need to focus on this task. She gets that. So she's yeah. able to pick up the slack a little bit and support me on the back end and vice versa. That's awesome. Um, so the balance thing is tricky. And I think a lot of people get caught up on trying to find this perfect balance across all the spectrums and sectors of their lives. And um, I just recommend the most, you know, don't beat yourself up over the fact that some things are going to take, quote unquote, a bit of a backseat at times, but that's okay. Because it means you're excelling in another avenue. Mm-hmm. As long as you're just maintaining, then things will shift back. And it's just, it's a teeter-totter. It goes back and yeah. forth. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree about the multitasking, at least. I think a lot of people misunderstand what that is. And I like how you broke it down and said you're essentially just doing one thing. Or it's even like a computer seems like it's multitasking, but it's actually only flipping ones and zeros at one time. It just does it so damn fast. And I just, it, you know, <laughs> it reminds me, one, one of my favorite books is The One Thing. I would recommend anybody listening to to read that one. That's really good. Um, and then I want to shift over to like, because obviously you face some adversity in your life, and I think it's absolutely insane that you're continuing to be active duty. So I've read something that you said people would describe you as determined, humbled, organized, and selfless. And I would just like to know, like, what are some of the behaviors that have led to your version of of success and maybe should share a little bit of uh, background on a little bit of your, your history within the military and how you came back to active duty or wanted to come back to active duty. Yeah. So the short version of the story is on my second combat rotation, in Afghanistan. Um, I was wounded in action on three separate occasions. The third one being the most severe, it was the result of an insider attack most commonly referred to as a green on blue. Um, took a bunch of machine gun rounds to both my legs, my right leg taking the most damage and it ultimately resulted in the amputation of that leg above the knee. Um, spent a year at the hospital going through surgeries, figuring out how to live life on a prosthetic. Went mm-hmm. back to my unit, uh, was granted a job working as a C2B and hand-to-hand combatives instructor. I did that for about eight months or so while I really advanced my rehab. Mm-hmm. But I knew from the very beginning, at least once I was off of enough drugs to realize where I was and what was happening, that I was going to get back to my team. That was the goal from day one. And, you know, what started out as a very individually driven goal, it was about me, about my stubbornness, my competitiveness, my unwillingness to let anyone dictate my future. That was what drove me initially. 
And I made a lot of progress that way. I was mm -hmm. fueled on anger and hate and no one's beating me but me kind of mindset. And I'm grateful for that because it got me through the early onset of the recovery process. Once I started making some progress and it was looking like I was going to be able to make a legitimate run at this thing, that was when my, my mindset had to shift a little bit because I, mm -hmm. I realized very quickly that I work in a business where there are nine or 10 other guys alongside you that put their lives in your hands and vice versa. So it was much bigger than me. It was much bigger than me just trying to prove everybody wrong or prove myself right. Because those guys and their families require a very high degree of performance out of me. Mm -hmm. So then I had to do some real deep soul searching and determine if me getting back was what was in the best interest of the team. And of those guys. Wow. And there was really no way to know for sure if that was the case until I was able to get to a point and, and showcase what I was able to do. So, again, long story short, <clears throat> my teammates were behind me the entire time. They wanted me back. I earned my way back. It was a grueling, about three-month process, assessment after assessment, after test, after this, after that. The Army and my unit and SOCOM pretty much threw the kitchen sink at me, which I understand why. And it wasn't until that first deployment back as an amputee in 2015, and there was a lot of visibility on me and us, and if this somewhat un unprecedented experience was going to work out or not. Mm -hmm. Fortunately for everybody, it did. We had a mm -hmm. successful mission. Um, we got back. And at that point, I was able to sit down with my with my brothers and say, hey, guys, we're now on the tail end of this thing. Did you feel I was an asset or did you feel I was a liability? Because it's really difficult to objectively look at yourself yeah. and remove the emotions and the passion from you trying to do what you love and yeah. get that perspective. Fortunately, I, got, I work with the guys that are able to do that and they don't pull punches. And um, across the board, it was recognized that they felt confident that me being there was in everybody's best interest. And so I just kind of keep that in mind, man, day to day, that, that that's really what drives me at this point. It's to maintain myself to be that asset for mm -hmm. them. And it's a distant second or third that is me wanting to do what I want to do because mm -hmm. I want to do it. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it shifted over time mm -hmm. and it kind of remains in that, in that somewhat lineage of where my mind is at when my alarm clock goes off at four o'clock in the morning every day, because I have to just simply work twice as hot as everybody else to be able to stay in, in the business that, that I've chosen to stay in. And there's a lot of stuff going on here. A lot of good stuff. I think it's really interesting how you made the shift. You said it didn't happen overnight. It was a shift that took a little bit of time, but I think it's incredible that you had the mindset to be able to just like, <laughs> like what you said, like once I'm off the drugs, which I think is probably a whole nother episode to probably talk about the potential impact that had on you. Um, yeah. But to, to be so driven and to so not give up on yourself despite those odds and push and I'm just kind of curious. Like, I want to know a little bit more. Like, those are incredible answers to the behaviors that led to that success for you to be able to come back and be able to serve next to them. And I do know that th those are the type of guys that are going to tell you what they really feel like. But I'm, I'm kind of curious a little bit more. And, like, I feel as if somebody else in your position may have just 
only thought about themselves, like you said, and you realize that it's not even just not for you. It's, it's for them and it's for their family too, is another thing you said. And I think it's pretty incredible that you took that shift after facing that. And I actually didn't know it was three times within that one rip. That, that was the third time. And then to, to endure all of this, this recovery and to shift your mindset through such a traumatic event, I think speaks a lot towards you. Is there something that and maybe there's not, but is there something that you grasp onto or what was going through your head through that shift? Are we able to break that down even more? I'm really curious about that. Yeah. So once I got to a place where I was, I was being fueled by my teammates and, mm. and those guys, Yeah. I wanted to, I obviously wanted to maintain as an asset. I, I had mm-hmm. to. So the real difficult part was accepting the fact that despite my relentless efforts to maintain my physical abilities, which continues to this day, I knew that I was going to have to make up some ground for my physical capabilities, which would be diminished. And uh, limitation is not a word that really exists in my vocabulary, but it's just the reality of, of, of an injury of this level of severity. So how do I do that? And fortunately, you know, in the SF community, we do a lot more stuff other than just running and gunning and kicking down doors, right? So Mm -hmm. that's part of our job. But there's also a lot of other aspects that makes up a Green Beret. And those other sides of the house, those other avenues were things I wanted nothing to do with at all. I was great at the physicality, grew up an athlete, spent my time in the gym or on the track or in the fight house and I was good at it and I loved it. And it it was a win-win. I needed to make up some ground. So how do I do that? Well, I had to look at how can I expand my cerebral ability? How can I expand my intellect? How can I start to pursue other courses and schools in and out of the military to bring up my, my abilities holistically to make up that ground. So that was tough because I, I really didn't enjoy it, but I knew I had to do it anyway. So I forced myself down these roads. I started pursuing yeah. my master's degree, which I'm about two thirds of the way through now. I started looking at all these other areas within the military and the soft community on how I could become more and more of a tool to be used. And um, it turned out that, you know, I was able to, to, to employ some of those capabilities downrange and in training. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was a give and take man of doing things that you don't want to do, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's kind of probably a whole episode in itself yeah, yeah. Uh, regarding how to make progress <laughs> yeah. and, you know, the difference between yeah. needing to do something and wanting to do yeah. something. And there's a balance there between those two things. Um, so I just, I, I, I kept my head down. I grinded. And, uh, again, at the end of the day, it was, it was with those guys and their families in mind. And then beyond that, just quickly, it's you know the experiences I've had, hence the reason why I, you know I'm fortunate and humble enough to be invited to do stuff like this with you. You know the lessons learned yeah. through experiences like this, not just going through it and tactically looking at the, the decisions that were made and the outcomes, but the process of getting over that and getting back, mm-hmm. being able to make it to the other side of that mountain and then take those lessons learned and, and ram them down the throats of the next generation, yeah. whether it's an injured person or not. Um, you know, it's about the, it's about the, the next generation of mm-hmm. soldiers and soft operators and whatnot. So yeah, I man. felt a, a responsibility to 
make it to the backside, continue to learn, and then ideally and hopefully be able to positively influence, you know, that next crop yeah. of young studs yeah. that are coming up behind me. Yeah, that's such a good mindset. And I'm glad we broke that down even more and you shared that with us. I mean, I just kept on thinking about the word discipline because God knows, like, I don't always, like, for example, the physical and the mental aspect of it. Like, I don't always feel like going to the gym in the morning, but I still go because I'm disciplined and I know why I'm doing it. I don't always feel like you're saying intellectually. I think it was really cool that you decided throughout this that I need to expand my mind intellectually. So being able to get it, like that holistic approach. And I think that's so healthy. I mean, really, I've been in positions where I was just working out and staying healthy and approaching it in a physical aspect. And I've been in positions where I couldn't do that and I could only do it mentally. And I'm actually for the first time, one of the, yeah, for the first time in my life in a position to where I'm able to do both, just as you're describing here. And it's just one of the most powerful things that I've ever experienced to be able to do that. And then even more so, you hit the nail on the head with one of the many things I'm trying to do here with the podcast. And that's highlighting people like yourself that are helping other people. So you hit it by saying, I want to pass it on to the next generation because if we can't teach somebody, you know, leave it better than we got it. You know, what are we doing? Because I feel like it's, you are changing the world around you currently in the state it is. But if you're not passing that on, like, <laughs> you know, what are, what are we really doing? You know, we're fixing the now, but it's, it's not going to be fixed permanently. So I love that you're being able to pass that down. And I think that's great to be, again, recap, you know, expand on your intellect. You didn't really want to do it, but you had the discipline to do it anyway. And you're thinking externally about other people, your team, their families, your family. And it's just such a holistic answer, you know, for everything you're hitting everything on the head. And I, I, I actually really like that. And it, you said a couple times too, like you had to do twice the work to be able to fit in, like, you know, to physically do it. And I think it's incredible for somebody like having to go through that again, that mental adversity and physical, obviously, but to be able to put in the work like that and just not want to quit. I'm sure there were a lot of times where you did want to throw in the towel. I mean, were there any times where maybe you thought you couldn't do it anymore? I don't even know if that is in your vocabulary, but it doesn't really sound like it. But did you have any times like you thought, well, fuck, I don't know if I can do this anymore. There were plenty of times, man, where I hit some, <laughs> uh, some, some dark valleys. Um, fortunately, you know, for me, I, I never went down a really dark road psychologically or mentally. Mm -hmm. Um, not that there's any shame in that and not sure. that having not done that is something to necessarily be proud of. It's just, uh, I, 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 did, I never found myself in, in that place. However, during the course of recovery, yeah, you, you go through a lot of, a lot of low points where something that was once very simple to do is now very challenging. Yeah. And you know, you live 30 years as a two legged person and then overnight that becomes not the case anymore. What's, what was more challenging than learning how to do new things was unlearning years and years and years sure. of what just became reactive or responsive. Sure, sure. So that, that's challenging. Um, mm. And then just, you know, I kind of summarize it as the cost of ambition. And there's a, there's a lot of stuff that comes with that. But what I realized the most was even though my support system around me was rock solid, my, my now wife at the time – not my wife, but she's right there. My family's right there. My teammates, my command. I had everyone you could imagine in my corner, all the med staff. Mm -hmm. And on the surface, everyone was in my corner. You got this. You can do it. In retrospect, and having had conversations with some of these people years later, they'll tell me, hey, man, we really didn't think that 
that this was possible. And I don't blame them for that. Sure. But at that time, I was able to pick up on that. So even mm. though I was physically and literally had people around me at times, the cost of ambition is you really got to go at some of these things by yourself. And you got to get comfortable with the fact that you're, all, you're, you're alone. Even though someone may be literally next to you mm-hmm. or figuratively mm-hmm. in your corner, it's on you to tackle the things that need to get done to make that progress and just being comfortable with the fact that when you make the most progress, it's those early morning sessions or those early morning study sessions, or it's putting in those late nights when no one's around and no one is watching and no one is caring Mm -hmm. and you could easily quit and no one would know except for yourself. And I just think in those moments is when people tend to make the most progress so just getting comfortable with it being this kind of you versus you mentality, mm-hmm. regardless of who's actually around you and who's actually supporting you. So working through that early was um, was kind of a, a light bulb went off was, you know, at the end of the day, man, you're the one that's got to put this in. And uh, and there may be people there to help you, but they can't do the work for you. So yeah. if you want it, you're going to have to go through hell. And and that's kind of the only way to get it done mm-hmm. yeah it's so there's a lot of good things here too like i know and i've had a lot of these now a lot i've talked to a lot of people that have faced a lot of adversity and i've faced a little bit myself of course and it's so good having a support team but i think ultimately if you don't believe that you can do it like you said when you're by yourself and there's going to be a lot of times when you're by yourself in whatever situation it is that you're in I think if you give up on yourself, ultimately, I I feel like you can have probably the best support team, but if you're not willing to have the hope in yourself or make the conscious effort, you know, the strides forward to be able to get it, you might not be able to do it. I've also heard a couple people kind of say like, you know, people saw hope in me when I didn't have it. And I think that's has a little bit of relevancy as well. But personally, my own belief is that ultimately for the long run, you really do have to believe in yourself because there's going to be a plethora of times in your life when people aren't there, even though, like you said, they're physically there for you. And I'm pretty sure I, I read something quoted you that said, you know, the only limitations you have are the ones you put on yourself, you know, get creative uh, and be willing to fail, push through and you will accomplish your goals. And I, I think that just coincides with everything you're saying right now about you really seem like the kind of guy, the kind of person that's just really pitted against himself and just wants to, to be able to excel and grow like that. Absolutely, man. And, uh, you know, you, you brought up being willing to fail. And I just, I think that people's relationship with failure in general is one that people tend to shy away from. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've never failed at anything in my life. You know, we hear guys like that all the time and, <laughs> and, and, and soft and one that's, that's not accurate, but, um, just recognizing that we learn the most through failure and in practice, that's actually the purpose is your it's controlled, intentional failure, whether it's in the gym and you're pushing your body to the absolute to limit. That's yeah. how you get bigger and stronger. And that really kind of exists across the spectrum. So striving for that daily. And I succeed at failing every single day um, because that's the point and that's how you learn. So in my time in combat sports and I'm still active in, uh, in jujitsu, that's, that's the number one tool I use to remind myself because I leave every single training session 
having got my ass kicked at some point. <laughs> and if sure. for some reason that doesn't happen, that just means that I didn't train hot enough or I didn't train against someone who's better than me, which mm-hmm. is how you grow and get mm-hmm. better. So mm-hmm. just recognizing that failure is a very powerful tool. And there's a difference between failing and being defeated and just striving yeah. for that. And, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a powerful tool to use. And I think people's relationship with failure is one that everyone can improve upon. And it just is something that you're able to leverage to continue to grow. Yeah. I love that. I love being able to always, I, I related a lot, a lot of times back to the physical aspect of it. Like you said, the example of going to the gym, you're literally trying to rep out till failure and that's where the muscle grows. And I, I honestly yeah. think that's the same way for your mindset as well to be able to attack that like that. And, uh, all the times reading books that are that are way above my reading level, <laughs> you know, things like that, that I'm just, yeah. I, I'm literally just growing. And, and you know what, one of the things for me, a personal example is this podcast, you know, I'm speaking all the time with people, like, for example, I'll share with everybody, we were talking offline, like, we both want to record this episode, just not so we can just share it with other people, but so we can grow ourselves. And, you know, how can we talk better? How can we speak better? How are we talking? We talk too fast? Are we talking too slow? All of these things we're kind of reviewing the game footage for ourselves. And I think when you're able to do that, you can go amazing places like that. And uh, I'd love to talk about some other things. And I one of the things I honed down in the very beginning, you said you had about 40 minutes to yourself in the car ride on your way or to and from work. And I'm a huge advocate of leveraging every single moment in my life, even if it's time not to do something. So I'm not saying like I'm batshit crazy and every single moment of the day I'm doing everything, but even scheduling time to meditate or scheduling time to just be alone in my thoughts. So I'm just curious at a guy who has, you know, you're working in an SF and you're a family guy, you have a, you know, you're a father. How do you use your 40 minutes? Great question. It's ironic you bring this up, man. I was talking to my mother today <laughs> nice. and she follows my stuff a lot. And, uh, you know, she knows my mentality. It's, it's go, go, go. And it's just like you said, man, it's leverage every minute you can, every minute you spend, uh, you know, messing up or, or out there mixing it up or, or wasting time. Someone else is working hard that is trying to get where you are. And, and I do believe that um, she's a lot more, holistic than I am. And she's constantly reminding me, Hey man, you know, take time for yourself. It's okay. If you just go into a room and sit there and be quiet with yourself for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour or whatever, like that's healthy. I'm fortunate and blessed to have people like my mother in my life that remind me that that is okay because I have a really difficult time doing that. That 40 minutes is often spent and I do have it kind of broken down into 10 minute intervals nice. <laughs> uh, because that's just the way my mind works and I'm structured like that. But I do ho- hold off 20 minutes of that 40 at a minimum to just turn the radio off, turn the podcast off, turn the book on tape off, whatever I'm doing mm-hmm. to try to maximize my time and just be in silence and, yeah. and just let my mind kind of go clear, just kind of focus on the road and um, it is challenging for me, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But I did notice when I started taking a deliberate effort to do that, that when I did walk in the house, I was just that much more fresh and that much more engaged and able to, to put my phone down mm-hmm. for an hour, 92 hours and just spend time with my boy, sit down with my wife, have a conversation. 
So I did notice the difference. It's super important. Nice. Um, I'm getting better at it. I'm, I'm definitely not where I should be on that because I just am, I'm, I'm so go, go, go. But the value behind that is super important. I've recently started looking at content and <clears throat> regarding guided meditation and that kind of stuff. Sure. So I'm exploring it more and more often. That 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 time frame I have set now is is where I'm at, and it's it, it's helpful. I just I think I do need to progress it a little bit more. Yeah, well, the fact that we're having a conversation about it and you can articulate it to me just like that is the big thing. Like that you're cognizant of that time and your mind is structured in the sense of being able to break down the time and be able to use it how you want it. And I think it's awesome. And I, I always hope the listeners pick up on these little nuances, but. The fact that you're breaking up even the 40 minutes and if it's 10 minute intervals, so be it. But you're having podcasting, you're having maybe music sometimes and uh, it sounds like audio books and then just literally just silence. And it's one of the things I do every morning is just five minutes of dead silence, doing nothing but just in my thoughts. And it really just helps coincide with like we were talking about the mental and physical aspect and the holistic approach. So I love that you did that. I love that you're doing that. I love that you have the you know, you're, you're sharing that you still need to work on it. I, I, I mean, the, I'm a little weary of the person that says I don't need to work on that anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's a little bit troublesome. I don't know what that guy's doing, but, um, it's cool that you're able to say that this, this has been incredible, but before we get out of here, I definitely want uh, you to be able to share if people want to contact you, whether it be on social media or website or email or anything like that. Yeah. So, um, my Instagram is kind of where people tend to reach out to me. It's uh, machine.nc, as in Nick Charles. Um, my YouTube is Nick Charles. Um, and my email that I use for mass distribution is nickchiles20 at gmail. Uh, feel free to reach out. I, I tend to get like dozens or so questions daily. Uh, a lot of it's military related or SF related. Uh, which is fine. I make a point to get back to everybody. Sometimes it takes, you know, sometimes a week or two, but you know, by all means, feel free to reach out. Yeah, that's awesome. So you all be able to see the Instagram handle, YouTube channel, the Gmail, the, the email, and all that'll be in the show notes and uh, anything else we can find uh, before we get to releasing this episode. But uh, Nick, thank you so much, man. This has been a pleasure from top to bottom. A lot of information talked about a lot of important stuff here that I know the listeners and myself included can apply to our lives. So thanks so much for your time. Have a great night. Right on, Chris. I appreciate the time.